Are you a procrastinator? <laughs> if you are, when I asked this question, your first reaction would probably have been defensive. Procrastination has a bad reputation. You can find countless of articles about how not to be a procrastinator, how to eliminate procrastination, even how to cure it, as if procrastination is a disease. I am a procrastinator. I will wear this as a badge of honor, actually. And it's not because I feel the need to be politically correct. If you know me well enough, you know that there is a fat chance of that happening. It's simply because I believe procrastination is good. But it's good for the right people in appropriate circumstances. It's good for me, not necessarily for you. But there is a problem, still, a trust problem with non-procrastinators. Because non-procrastinators don't trust procrastinators. In this episode, I will discuss the good and the bad of procrastination, explain why non-procrastinators don't trust procrastinators, but more importantly, I will give you eight tips that will help you, a procrastinator, be trusted by non-procrastinators. Right after this. Welcome to The Trust Show. I'm Yoram Solomon, your host, the author of The Book of Trust and facilitator of The Trust Habits Workshop. My mission is simple. I want to help you form habits that build your trustworthiness because the answer to this question will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? You know, I did, I googled the word procrastination. Here's what came up. What is procrastination and how can you overcome it? Why you procrastinate, and it doesn't have to do with uh, self, uh, I'm, I'm not sure even what. Uh, procrastination, a scientific guide on how to stop procrastinating, understanding and overcoming procrastination, how to stop procrastinating, why wait, uh, the, the science behind procrastination, uh, the real reason you're procrastinating and, you know, not showing that it's a good thing. Everything that I looked at, every article makes procrastination a bad thing. Th then I went to Amazon and I looked for books about procrastination. So here it is. Procrastination, what it is, <laughs> why it's a problem, and what can you do about it? Uh, procrastination, why you do it, what to do about it now. Uh, the procrastination cure, I love that one. So that means that procrastination obviously is a disease. This is, this is our attitude towards the term procrastination, towards procrastination uh, in general. We treat it as something bad. Why is it bad? Well, it's bad because uh, by the time you get to it, maybe you need more information that's not available anymore. Maybe it's too late for something something else that you needed that's not available anymore. Sometimes schedules get pulled in. And if the other person was counting on the deadline being what it is, then all of a sudden when it gets pulled in, they're not ready. They're not going to finish on time. Uh, procrastination, you know, if... Life happens. Life happens and, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, something else takes priority and you're not going to finish that job, even though you could have finished it when that other thing that takes priority didn't exist yet. 
maybe you forget about it and and never get to it because you're waiting too long. There are consequences. There are consequences to not finishing that on time. And overall, all of those things, they cause you stress if you're a non-procrastinator. That's why procrastination is bad. But wait, I also said that it's good. You know, I am a procrastinator, not because I have a personality flaw, although some people might argue that I do. But that's, I procrastinate because I think it's good, because I got used to it. You know, when I procrastinate, I have an opportunity to generate more ideas. Ideas get to incubate in my head. I find better alternatives simply because I get to think about it more. I get new information that didn't exist when I got the task. I get more people that I can ask and get their advice, you know, because I'm thinking about it longer. I I take my time before I execute. Projects get canceled. Sometimes they get pushed out. Schedules get pushed out. Do you want to be the one that finished the project that got canceled? And and things change. You know, when when you got the project, the the environment, the circumstances were certain or, or... there were certain circumstances that that have changed since then. And because I waited, I get to finish the project in light of the new circumstances. By the way, whenever I talk about procrastination and non-procrastination or or being good or bad, I give seven reasons why it's bad, but eight reasons why it's good. Uh, I'm biased that way. So how do you tell? How how do you tell if you should procrastinate or not? the first question is, do you stress over schedules? If you do, don't procrastinate. Do you have all the information that you need? Do you expect more ideas? If you don't expect more ideas, if you have all the information and you don't think that new information would come up, that there's no value in procrastinating. Uh, is What is the probability of a higher priority event taking place and not allowing me to finish on time? Is anyone else relying on my deliverable? If nobody else is relying, that and I'm taking the, the consequences of, of not finishing on time, that's on me. I don't have to worry. But if somebody else relies on my deliverable, then maybe I need to be more considerate of them. And, and again, what are the consequences? Now, I'm going to give you one piece of advice, um, and I'll, I'll get to it back uh, again when, when I talk about the, the eight tips. But that's one of the things that I like to do is I call it the two-step First step, do something. You know, put something that may not be perfect, may not be high quality, may be quick and dirty, but you're going to have something. You're going to have a starting point. You're going to have something that you can continue with. Later, when you get closer to the schedule, then you benefit from all the benefits of procrastination and you make it much, much better. But at least you have something if something comes up and all of a sudden you need the deliverable and and you can't work on it. You probably heard that a thousand times from me uh, already. And that is that one thing that's unique about my approach to trust is that it is relative and it is personal. Things like, certain things are absolute and universal. For example, telling the truth. Nobody's going to trust somebody who's not telling the truth, who knowingly and intentionally is lying to you. You're not going to trust them. That's an absolute, that's a universal quality. 
But other qualities or differences between people, because we're all different, other differences are personal and they're relative. You know, procrastinators trust other procrastinators and are being trusted by other procrastinators. Uh, Non-procrastinators trust other non-procrastinators because, you know, they're finishing early. They leave time uh, before the uh, deadline. If you're a procrastinator, you would probably not have an issue trusting a non-procrastinator. I mean, they're finishing their work early, so why? what is there not to trust them with? But it doesn't work the other way around. If you're a non-procrastinator, you will not trust a procrastinator. Why? First, you don't believe that you're ever going to see the project done. They're not going to finish their part. You know they're not going to finish their part. They're waiting and they're waiting. Why not work on it now? Because they're different. You, you may not think that it's important enough to them. You believe that they're going to forget. You're afraid that something else will take priority for them from finishing their work. You may be afraid that a piece of information or something that they need for their part may not be available by the time they finally get to work on their project. And as a result, it causes you stress. You feel danger because there are consequences to you, not only to them, as a result of their procrastination. So you two are working on a project. You are finishing it early and with with plenty of headroom. And they're waiting, and it stresses you out. One of the things you might do is you might end up doing the work yourself. How does that work? So now you're you're taking the entire work of the entire team on yourself, or at least the, the other person. Or you try to micromanage them and keep pinging them, uh, are you done? Are you done? When are you going to start? When are you going to start? But guess what? Micromanagement does not build trust, does exactly the opposite. So you're going to be making the problem worse, not better. Uh, And since I'm talking to you as a potential procrastinator, then it's the other way around. Imagine that they're starting to micromanage you. How does that work? I mean, and by the way, they're micromanaging you because they don't trust you. Because one of the things that I found in one of my surveys was that people will give you autonomy There's a 67% correlation of them giving you autonomy to whether they trust you or not. So they're not going to give you autonomy. They're not going to trust you. And and because trust and and trustworthiness are reciprocal, you're not going to be trustworthy. You're probably not going to finish it anyway. So if you're a procrastinator, what do you need to do to get a non-procrastinator to trust you? So the first tip I can give you is to acknowledge their concern. Acknowledge the concern of a non-procrastinator that you're not going to finish on time. To do that, it starts with empathy. It starts, first of all, with with acknowledging the fact that they are non-procrastinators and that you are a procrastinator. It starts with empathy. It starts with your ability to see things from their perspective as if you are them. And, and by the way, as long as you can see it from their perspective, you will understand what their concerns are. You have to remember, they are not you. You know, I always bring Maslow's hierarchy of needs. They may, may be worried about different layers of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. 
For both of you to finish the project, for you, this might be a self-actualization thing that you can prove that you can do it. For them, it might be something that if they don't do that, they might lose their job and not be able to pay rent. So you have to acknowledge that. Acknowledge the fact that, that they worry about that. You know what? Ask them, why are you, what are you worried about? Is it the deadline that stresses you out? Is it the consequences of what if we don't finish on time? Is it that you're afraid that I'm going to forget it? Is it that you're afraid that something with a higher priority will come up for me? Is it that uh, you're afraid that resources or information are not going to be available? Ask them. You have to, in order to be able to address their concerns to the point where they trust you, you have to first understand their concerns and acknowledge their concerns. And by the way, that, that's, that's all the component of personality compatibility of my relative trust model. Tip number two. Make the case to why you are a procrastinator. Explain who you are. Explain that this is your personality. Now, you can't explain that I'm a procrastinator because, because I don't stress over schedules, because they do. So that, that doesn't help. I explain all the positives. You know, previously in this episode, I gave you a list of eight positives. Why is it that you procrastinate? Not because you don't stress. It's because you're going to have more information. It's because you get an opportunity to ask more questions, to, to ask more people. Um, demonstrate a track record. That, that's the component of competence in, in my relative trust model. Demonstrate that even when you do procrastinate, you will finish on time. You don't have a track record of, of a person that, that misses schedules, that don't, doesn't finish on time. You have to build that credibility, that competence, or, or the perception of competence that they will have in you. That even though you're a procrastinator, it does not mean that you're going to miss the schedule. It does not mean that you're going to... Um, not have access to information because you already made sure that you had enough information. So explain to them, make them see things from your perspective and, and, and get them a little out of their zone of if you're not finishing it on time uh, early, not on time. If you're not finishing it early, then, then it's, it's not going to get done and they need to take over. So, Help them understand that, that it's not a bad thing. It's not a disease that needs to be cured. You're doing it on purpose and there are no consequences because you will finish on time. Make that case. Number three, they need to understand that you procrastinate not because this project is not important to you. So build the case or explain to them that the project is important to you, assuming that it is. If this project is not important to you, then you need to let them know. And you need to give them the option of using somebody else to do your part, somebody who's going to care more about this project. So, you know, when I say explain that the project is important to you, what I mean is assuming that it is important to you. So, you know, a non-procrastinator typically looks at the procrastinator and says this is not important to them. They need to understand that it's important to you, that your procrastination is not a function or 
a result of you not caring about the project. You care about the project. Procrastination is a result of something else. It's your personality, and it does not mean that you're not going to finish on time. Remember, procrastinator, I'm not referring to being a procrastinator as someone who misses schedules. Procrastinators meet schedules. They just finish it very close to the finish line and not as soon as they got the project. So number three is make sure that they understand that this project is important to you. Number four, have a kickoff discussion. Don't just put it off. Have a kickoff discussion. In that discussion, both of you need to identify all the information that's going to be needed, where it's going to be coming from, when it will be available, by when it will be available, when it will not be available anymore. Assign the responsibilities. Define the due dates. Now, don't let them. They they will have the tendency of building buffers. So we need the project done by December 1st. So they're going to ask for your part to be available by November 1st. Uh, And the buffer is not the buffer required to integrate your part with theirs. It's the buffer required for them to do your part by themselves if you don't do it on time. So it's really important that there are no buffers for that reason. It's very important that the deliverables, the handout, the handovers between you and them are very, very clear. Everybody knows exactly what they're doing. So start with this kind of a kickoff discussion. Number five, set expectations. Set expectations to what you're delivering. When will you deliver it? What will you deliver at maybe different points in time? Maybe if if you have more milestones in, in your part, let them know what those milestones are because every milestone you're going to meet and they're going to know to expect it and they're going to know to when to expect it is going to build their confidence and their trust in you that, that you will finish the last milestone on time. So be very clear on what you're going to do, on how you're going to do it, what your schedules, what your your actions are that would help them trust as they see your progress when you're supposed to start, when when you said that you will start. So set those expectations. Number six, remember I told you about the two-step? Take a first stab at your part. Maybe it's just an outline. You know, if you need to create a presentation for whatever, you know, let's say that that you're working on a workshop and they're working on their part, you're working on your part, um, and you know that you're going to finish it right towards the end. I mean, I'm, I'm infamous for that or notorious for that, that I typically finish my presentation 20 minutes before I deliver it. And, and for many reasons, one of which is that It's the last practice run that I do that I make the last changes. And sometimes those changes are big changes. But the fact that you took a first stab of, even if it's just the outline, here are the outlines, you know, the the content is not complete and and all. Uh, 
obviously not formatted, no graphics, no nothing, but, but here is the first step. Again, it builds confidence by a non-procrastinator in a procrastinator. So take a first stab as early as you can. Don't spend much time on it. I mean, if, if it takes uh, as long as it would take to do the final deliverable, there is no point. But typically, the first stab is, uh, is something simple. By the way, taking a first stab helps you as well. Not only that it reduces some of the stress, but it frames for you what the project is going to be like because remember I told you you're going to get more information you're going to ideas will incubate in your head and and you get to ask more people and get their advice and and their opinions but you have to start somewhere and that first stab is really what you're going to start with you know I, I always take a first stab on on any presentation that I that I a new presentation that I'm preparing uh every new book that I that I write and I start with an outline and then I let it sit. I let it incubate. I ask people. I modify it. But I start with something. So, so there is an advantage. Uh, in, in the context of this episode, the advantage is that a non-procrastinator would feel that you know what you're doing, that, that they like the direction. It gives them an opportunity to give you feedback. You don't need to incorporate that feedback immediately, but it gives them the opportunity to give you some. So take a first stab. Show them that you took a first stab. Uh Possibly ask for their opinion or their input on it, but but it builds trust. It, it builds their confidence that you're going to be done on time. By the way, it does two more things. One is to let them know that the quality of your deliverable is going to be satisfactory. So uh, they, they feel comfortable with that. But the second thing is it allows them to tell you, well, no, no, that's not what I was hoping you will get. This is not what I think your deliverable needs to be. So um, it, it's, you know, one of the things that, that they may worry about is that by the time you, we get to the deadline, you deliver something and you haven't gone through the uh, fifth step of setting the expectations well enough uh, and, and they get surprised and now maybe even everything needs to be done from the beginning. So... Take a first step, share it with them, uh, get feedback if, if necessary, um, and, and let them feel better. The non-procrastinators, let them feel better that they're going to get a quality piece of work that, that is more predictable than not knowing anything. Number seven, share a contingency plan. What if something does happen. Remember that one of the downsides of procrastination is that something of higher priority might take over preventing you from finishing on time or as requested. So what happens then? So let them know what the contingency plan is. Maybe the contingency plan is I have you have somebody working for you and you're going to assign it to them. Maybe the contingency plan is I, I don't know what. But remember that the non-procrastinator worries that they're not going to get the, deliver the deliverable that you promised on time and as requested and at high quality. And th they're right to, to worry about that because things might happen, because schedule might change, uh, might be pulled in. I mean, if it's pushed out, who cares? It's, it's working your benefit, but it might be pulled in. Uh you need to show them that there is a contingency plan, that you're thinking about that. 
Now, you may not worry about that as much as they do. Try to get a contingency plan that will make them not have to worry about consequences of uh, you missing the schedule because, you know, something has changed. Life happened. Finally, step eight, get their acceptance. They're non-procrastinators. You are a procrastinator. This is not their comfort zone. They, they have to step maybe far out of their comfort zone. But you need to get to the point that with everything else you've done, with the first seven steps, you made them feel comfortable enough that you will deliver on time at the quality that, that they expect that you have a contingency plan, that, that it's better that you do it this way than, than any other way, but you have to get to the point where they say, okay, I'm good with that. And, and not make sure that they don't say, okay, just to you know shut you up, and then they're going to go and do it themselves, because that's not the point. That, that doesn't buy you trust. What will buy you trust is if you can convince them that you're a procrastinator for good reasons, that you have a plan, that there are benefits to the way you work, that you have everything that I told you in the first seven tips. Make sure that you get their acceptance. Possibly even set boundary rules. So if you violate the boundary rules in one way or another, uh, what will their recourse be? Or anybody else's? So as long as you set those rules and they go, okay, we know at what point I don't have to wait for you anymore and, and I'm going to just go and do it myself or assign it to someone else or whatever. So for example, you know, if you shared the uh, milestones on your part of the project, if you miss two milestones by more than a week, I'm, I'm just throwing ideas here they have the right to take the project away from you and give it to somebody else. It's early enough for them to be able to do that. But again, it makes them feel more confident that it will be done. And if it will not be done, they will know early enough that this has happened. And, and I would add here, possibly should have made it number nine, but I would add here that... If you see for any reason, and you have to let them know that you will tell them that if you see for any reason that there's something that's going to prevent you from finishing it on time, you will let them know as early as possible that you will finish it, that, that, that there's a chance that you're going to miss it. And if they know that as soon as that happens and, and there is a good enough you know, granularity to your milestones to where you're not going to wait until the end and at the end say, okay, it's not going to be done on time. But, you know, if you have eight milestones and on milestone three, you're starting to realize you're not going to be able to finish it on time, but you're going to let them know then that builds that confidence, that builds that trust in you as you're going through this project. So when you get their acceptance, when you set the expectations, when you break out your part into pieces, 
make sure that they know that if something causes you to think that you're not going to be uh, finishing it on time, you will let them know with enough time for them to, to take uh, alternate routes. What would you like to know about trust and trustworthiness? Let me know and I'll answer it in a future episode. I would love to hear from you. Email me at yoram at thetrustshow.com. If you like this episode, subscribe to the show so you will automatically get notified when I release a new episode. Rate it. Write a review for this podcast because those ratings help not only you, but also others looking for podcasts just like this. If you're looking for more resources to learn about how to build trust, be trusted, or know who to trust, look up my workshops, online courses, books, or go to my website, trusthabits.com. And remember that the answer to these two questions will have the biggest impact on your personal and professional success or failure. Can I trust you? And can you trust me? Thank you for listening or watching The Trust Show.